What's up, guys? This is Mitch from Respect My Region, back with another North American Weed Tour podcast episode. Today, I am joined by Jonah Rapino, the marketing director at New Era Cannabis in Illinois. How are you doing today, Jonah? I'm doing great. Glad to be on the show. Awesome, man. So to kick off the episode, I would like to just understand a little bit about yourself and uh, your history with cannabis. Absolutely. Um, so back on the origin story is back on election day, election night, uh, 2014, uh, Massachusetts, where I lived for many years, uh, had uh, the you know adult use legalization on the ballot. And I went to a, you know, kind of like a watch party uh, for a bunch of uh, advocates for the cannabis industry. And we, you know, we're watching the returns come through. Uh, you know, this county voted yes, this county voted no, you know, and it was looking better and better, a higher percentage uh, of people coming back for a yes vote for legalization of adult use cannabis in Massachusetts. Uh, until finally then it happened, all the votes were in and, and you know, we won and everyone, you know, started celebrating and, and, uh, you know, excitement was in the air and it was just such an amazing feeling. And then the TVs were still on. And as we're kind of like, you know, you know, winding down as we're winding up, we start to notice what's going on in Michigan, what's going on in Wisconsin. <laughs> so, uh, you know, for better, or for worse, uh, that was the, yeah, the, the night uh before you know trump era came in in the, in the play so that was kind of the beginning uh for me of the uh, my experience in the cannabis industry was that night so when that happened i started looking for uh ways of entering the cannabis industry in massachusetts that led me to uh, applying and becoming one of the first uh, employees of a company called revolutionary clinics um, they are a medical dispensary and cultivation uh, in Massachusetts. So I then started as a salesperson. Uh, and I spent a lot of time talking to people um, with cancer, uh, which was a humbling uh, and mind-blowing experience. Um, trying to help those folks find products that were going to help them you know, with the problems that they were facing and what outcomes they were trying to achieve. So that was that was amazing. So that was my 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 beginnings. Um, I quickly worked my way up to marketing manager uh, and was doing that for a long time with that company and then moved to Illinois and found myself at New Era. And what, what was the uh, process of transition to Illinois? Was it just strictly professional or did you just identify move into a different market for other reasons or I actually moved out here for love. Um, my girlfriend was living out here and I decided like most that, people do. <laughs> I decided that it was time to uh, try something different. I'd been in Massachusetts for a long time. Um, I'm uh, originally from Ohio, so I'm a Midwestern boy. Uh, so I thought a move to Chicago would be uh, an amazing opportunity. I also wanted to be with, with her. Um, and so it so happened that I arrived in October, uh, November time uh, into 2019. And for people who live in Illinois, you'll know that January 1st of 2020 is when Illinois went adult use. So it turned into a very opportune time to move 
uh, because people were looking for folks who had experience in the cannabis industry to help transition from medical to recreational. Uh, and that's how it happened. So coming in with experience from another market to, you know, one of the more uh, talked about emerging markets, you know, Illinois with Chicago being the financial hub that it is, it's, it's gotten a lot of excitement uh, as the dominoes have fallen nationally. Um, give me a little bit of a background. So it sounds like since being there since day one, or I don't know if you've been with New Era since day one, but it sounds like you've been there since since the origin. So give me a, a little bit of the backstory with, with New Era Cannabis. And, and kind yeah, of absolutely. So um, New Era is one of the pioneers uh, in the cannabis industry in Illinois. You know, so they started out in 2016, or actually late 2015, with um, medical dispensaries uh, with locations in Chicago, Urbana, and East Peoria. So they were humming along with, you know, a lot of pushback from the politicians in Illinois. They, you know, some of them, you know, wanted this to happen, and some of them definitely did not, uh, including the governor. So the medical program, uh, was very slow growing in Illinois. I mean, it was a requirement, if you were to be a medical patient, you had to have background check and uh, you had to be fingerprinted when it first started. So it was some seriously committed advocates and people who really believed in the medicinal power of, of the plant that that paved the way. And our, our shots were there to, to help them do that. Um, so, you know, that's, and the name of the company at the time was New Med. So they were serving the medical population. Um, oh, my cat just jumped in my lap. I'm not sure if you can see that. Uh, anyway, so January 1st, 2020 comes, and, you know, the whole state's going to be going recreational. So that was the time they decided, all right, you know, we have our roots in uh, the medical patients and the medical program, but we're now opening up to adult use as well uh, and that was kind of where the idea uh, of changing the name to new era came about um so you know we're still med we still serve med but we are also serving this other population and it is now a new era of cannabis uh, where it is more widely accessible uh safer uh and with more product variety and you know accessible to more people than ever so that's that's uh how new era came about that, that's awesome and i love uh, you know able to keep the the ethos of the name and the new and switch it to the new era as it is a new era going from medical to, to recreational is an exciting time for many people yeah. that are passionate around cannabis and so you guys have um five uh, retail locations and then a cultivation facility correct that is true. Yeah, we have a cultivation. Um, we are one of the newest um, cultivators in the state um, with one of the, the last licenses that were uh, given to the you know vertically integrated companies. Uh, so we're still a bit small, uh, but uh, rapidly expanding as much as we can. Uh, we specialize right now in a variety of flower products, as you can imagine, premium flour, popcorn shake, uh, pre-rolls. Uh, and then, but we've also uh, taken our turn in uh, doing some solventless products as well. Uh, we make a really excellent bubble hash, uh, very blonde, uh, very terpene filled and flavorful bubble hash. And we also use that bubble hash to make infused pre-rolls. 
So we have a product that we call Double Joint. So it's uh, bubble hash uh, and flour. Uh, and then we've also been making uh, this product called Double Diamonds. So we're able to actually save uh, some of the, you know, or extract some THCA solventlessly through the process of making bubble hash. And we've been using that to infuse with premium flour to make what we call double diamonds. Man. Uh, which are very popular. Yeah. Yeah. The infused joint is a popular category. So that's one of my questions for the, for the retail sector. What are some of the most popular product categories, both on, you know, I'm curious on two parts, one on volume, what the most people want, but also what you feel like most people come in and request a product from a specific, uh, category i mean i think illinois is very similar to how a lot of states begin i mean the you know traditional cannabis user knows flour right so that is what is still our top selling category people are looking for flour um and then you know coming up next from that uh our vape cartridges actually uh, those are very popular in illinois um, I, I think the discrete nature of it, uh, a lot less smell, the ability for people who are living probably in apartments or don't have a lot of places to, you know, light up a fat, you know, blunt, uh, they can they can use vape uh, cartridges. So those are very popular. Um, but you know, we do have you know a lot of uh, call for new types of products. People are very interested in the other categories, you know, including drinks are starting to, to really uh, come up here in Illinois. Um, and then, you know, kind of more experimental, I guess, edibles are starting to come around. You know, you're, you're seeing things like 1906. There are pills that are very effect-based, but then you'll also see, you know, um, Rice Krispie treats, you know, are starting to like leave the kind of the legacy market and move into the you know, legal market now, like people are interested in, in these kind of treats or, or ramen even, you know, there's a, a cultivator that makes a ramen noodle thing. So I think that that is, you know, sustained by the interest of the cannabis consumer here in Illinois to start trying things and experimenting with things. And on that point, you know, being a newer state to adult use compared to the West Coast where, you know, we got our roots internally, what are some of the things that you guys have learned from watching some of these legacy states? What are what are what have you learned from watching what are, you know, what are the pros and the cons or the positive takeaways or maybe the pitfalls that you guys look to avoid that we've kind of discovered over here? Well, you know, in my opinion, I would say not a lot. And that is due to the fact that the way that legalization has rolled out in the United States, it's very state-based. So you'd think it would have a bigger effect, you know, having these big markets in California and Washington, Oregon, Colorado. And I think that some people kind of know about those things, but I don't believe the regulators know very much about those things. And they're the ones who write the rules, right? And those are the rules that we have to abide by. So each state, in, in my you know, experience and opinion, is very much its own microcosm. It's its own world, and it learns through its own fits and starts, making its own mistakes, solving its own problems. I saw that very much in Massachusetts, and I'm experiencing that also in Illinois. So on one hand, that can be 
can to some people might seem a bit tiresome. Like, why are we recreating the wheel here, right? But on the other hand, this can be very exciting. We're literally making all of the decisions, the first decisions, trying things out, experimenting, you know, finding what works for us, and that makes it very exciting. I like to call it the uh, the wild Midwest. I, I, I love that, and you know, on on the tune of that, um, each state rolling out things differently. Um, each state also rolls out marketing regulations at a very different level. Some states are more open. Some states are more restrictive. Obviously, social media is very restrictive as a blanket everywhere. What are some of the challenges that you face that you feel are unique to the Illinois market or just that, that you have to deal with while playing in that sandbox? Well, you know, um, one positive thing about around marketing in Illinois, actually, is that there is more ability to put advertisements up where people can see them. So in a lot of states, you're restricted from putting up posters, flyers, billboards, things like that. In Illinois, it's actually the opposite. Um, they are very open to, you know, where, uh, like uh, alcohol is able to advertise, cannabis is also uh, often able to advertise. Um, not so much the same though on like say television or radio, right? So that's very restricted um, in Illinois. Um, I've actually talked to a number of, um, you know, radio stations about the possibility of, you know, doing some advertising around a new store opening. And they're like, okay, we can do that. We just can't say the word cannabis. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm not sure that that's going to work for us, you know? So, uh, you know, on one hand, you'll, you will get some pretty fun and amazing billboards up there, but you know, then you're not really going to be seeing any cannabis advertisements on radio or television. So, so yeah, that is, that is challenging. Uh, and, and compound that with the problems of advertising through social media. So I can't tell you how many operators I know who have had their social media accounts totally ripped down. Um, I forget, did, did you guys have that problem as well? Or uh, we have lost numerous, uh, accounts and our, our Instagram account is currently down for the third, fifth time this year, yeah. <laughs> but we well, usually get it back. Yeah. So it, it's challenging. So, you know, when you're not able to go that, you know, current route, then what do you do? You have to fill into these other places. And in, in Illinois, like I said, there's some opportunities and some not. So then how are you going to be doing this? So a lot of it is organic. A lot of it is word of mouth and a lot of it is partnerships uh and but you know so partnerships are actually great so you know this is our opportunity to build community so through that problem we've been then given a solution which is to actually make things more inclusive and work with more people so that's a nice thing absolutely and um you know one of the other challenges i'm sure you face is you guys have five locations and five different geographic locations, which probably have different demographic makeups of the surrounding area. What are some of the approaches you take to making sure you have a cohesive brand across all channels, but also kind of catering to each individual location and the consumer habits uh, associated with each of those locations? Absolutely. It's a great question. So there, and there's another kind of uh, nuanced layer to that as well, which is the difference between medical and adult use. So our first three stores, Chicago, Urbana, East Peoria, those are all medical, then also medical and adult use as it passed January, 2020. Then due to legislative regulations, 
we're able to open up secondary locations, but they can only be adult use. So that kind of makes the, you know, the makeup of those other stores different from the original stores. So that present, presents somewhat of a challenge. Like how do you keep that unified brand cohesiveness to stores that are, you know, serving, you know, somewhat different populations due to the fact that some of them will have medical folks and others will not at all, right? So then you bring the, dem uh, the actual geography, right? So uh, our stores are actually, it's funny, our two secondary stores we have right now are not that far away from our original primary stores. But even with that, there is a much different market happening uh, in both of them because of where they are. It's location, 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 right? So in East Peoria, that is a pretty large town, Peoria area. But then our secondary is in Pekin, Illinois, which is much more of a kind of farm town, right? So then how are we, um, you know, trying to, you know, find what kind of people are we trying to attract at that store versus our East Peoria store, right? So what it's turned out is the other factor is tax. So in Illinois, we have one of the highest tax rates on adult use cannabis in the nation. So that makes adult use cannabis very expensive. So when you're opening a store in a place like Pekin, how, how are you going to, you know, make sure that you're able to serve as many people as possible? So we do actually stock a slightly different amount of types of products at that store. You know, we're selling, you know, a lot more of the kind of more budget items to those folks, um, you know, shake and, you know, lower costing edibles, things like that, because, you know, if they're able to become medical patients, they're going to have to go to the East Peoria store to get those type of products where they only pay 1% tax, right? So that makes for a very big difference in that market, specifically East Peoria and Pekin. The other layer to add on top of that is that we're restricted to zones. So since we have a dispensary in East Peoria, we can open up a secondary, but only within a specific zone relating to East Peoria. So if we see that there is a underserved part of Illinois, that would be a perfect place to put a dispensary and that we have the knowledge, the know-how, the uh, capability of opening a dispensary there, we cannot go there and open a dispensary because that's not where our zone is defined by the regulators. So we had to open within kind of that kind of geographical area of where our first primary is. So there's just, I don't know, I guess I kicked out a lot of different points on that, but it is, it makes for, yeah, a very varied experience. So then to get to how do you make a cohesive brand experience? Well, I mean, it's important that you invest in your marketing, right? So we have a specific style guide that we use. We have a brand guide. We have specific types of colors. We have logos. Uh, and we have our mission and our vision that we are making sure to communicate through our general managers, our staff, and everyone within the company that is then being translated out to all of our customers. Right? So that is that is, you know, why marketing comes into effect. That's why things change from a mom and pop to a somewhat more kind of corporate structure is when you have more than one location and you're trying to give a similar and comfortable, knowable experience to a customer because they could go to that Pekin and that East Peoria store. They're not that far away from each other. And Urbana, 
It's only about two hours away from Peoria. People go there all the time. So we want we don't want to have a completely different experience and look and feel. We actively engage in trying to make things feel cohesive. And, and that's, you know, that's definitely the way you should do it. That's very interesting. I was unaware of the, the zoning. I'm sure that poses uh, various challenge to scaling, obviously, of where you want to build. So for you guys, are you completely restricted to building in those zones? You can't at all be like, we're going to open up on the other side of the state. We cannot. I mean, there's other ways around that. I mean, I, there is some ability for companies to purchase other dispensaries and, and then inherit that zone of opportunity because there are definitely uh, dispensaries that have 10 locations. You know, those are the MSOs, right? So there are ways around that. But if you're just going to be a company like New Era, we're local, we're not an MSO, we're, you know, the, the good old boys, as it were, of Illinois, you know, that is kind of what we're, uh, we have to contend with. And on, you know, on that note of MSOs, I know Illinois and a lot of these emerging markets with very limited supply of licenses, you know, MSOs have came in and acquired quite a lot of those pretty aggressively. What are, you know, and it's not about bashing MSOs versus craft or local or anything like that, but what are some of the challenges of being a local company that goes up against, uh, you know, an MSO that obviously has a larger infrastructure and budget to potentially project, you know, uh, distribute their message at a higher level. That's true. I mean, there are some challenges, but also just because of the insular na nature of it being a state thing, uh, kind of helps the smaller companies out. You know what I mean? They're, you know, once again, because of the regulations, the restrictions, they're, you know, the, the MSOs aren't able to just buy, you know, ad time on TVs and just blanket everybody, right? So we still have our opportunities to wave our flag. You know, they can't spend millions of dollars on Facebook targeting because they're just not able to. Right. So they're very much still having to do that ground up work, that street team, word of mouth, you know, battling customer acquisition kind of stuff that somewhat levels the playing field. Right. Not completely, but but somewhat. Um, so that's really nice to, in effect, kind of go up head, head to head against those folks and see how we do. Now, um, conversely, once again, back to the regulation, you know, the, the scene in Illinois is that you can't stock more than 40% of one brand of product in your dispensary. So as opposed to Massachusetts, where it's very much like a theme dispensary, you're going to go to a Liberty dispensary where it's going to be mostly Liberty products, or you're going to go to a Netta dispensary where it's pretty much the company, you know, company store as it were, right? Here in Illinois, you've got all the brands showing up at all of the other dispensaries. So we as a cultivator and a dispensary actually have really good relationships with a lot of the other MSOs and dispensaries because they want their products on our shelves, right? And we want our products on their shelves. So everyone, in fact, kind of plays nice which is a really excellent thing, which also kind of levels the playing field once again. You know, if the, if the customer um, likes our new era flower, um, it doesn't matter that maybe we're not making the same amount of it, or it's not showing up in as many stores, but that customer at that store doesn't really know the difference between a Cresco flower and a new era flower besides the quality of the experience that they have with the flower. You know what I mean? Because it's not, 
they don't have to go to a new era dispensary to get to that new era flower. They can find that at a number of different dispensaries. And I think that is a, a big benefit of the non-vertically integrated states. You know, really the, the person who benefits the most is the consumer. They get the selection. Um, we are talking about a little bit right off, off camera is that, you know, it pushes the competition of quality between different brands, which I think, again, ultimately the consumer benefits of that. Um, what are some of the brands that made the main brands that you feel consumers come in and request by name? Well, I mean, definitely Cresco has made their mark. They have a lot of great brands, um, you know, and are also bringing in some great brands from the West Coast. Um, currently, Kiva and Camino are, are entering uh, the Illinois market and are doing very well. I've been doing some partnerships with them. I'm a big fan of their edible line. Um, they take great care in, the, in that consistency, giving strain-specific and um, really excellent experiences through their, their edibles. Uh, so that's a really nice thing. Um, you know, so people are starting to find out about that. Um, you know, there's some local heroes, I'd say, in, in Illinois. Revolution, uh, the cultivator, uh, has done very well for themselves with their flower. They won a lot of the High Times Cannabis Cup awards uh, for their flower. So then that flower becomes uh, very high demand. In fact, a lot of places you can only get that flower if you are a medical patient. Um, they, you know, are doing their best, I'm sure, to scale up, but they're taking very good care to keep the quality of that product while they're scaling up. So therefore it's not scaling super too fast. You know what I mean? So I think eventually it will be more widely available, but they're doing the right thing and taking their time to make sure the quality is always there. Uh, there's another company that I'm not gonna mention them by name right now, but they definitely were one of the leaders in a lot of their brand categories. And to try to figure out how to fill the demand, they did scale up much too fast and the quality of their products went very far down and whereas people used to come in all the time asking specifically for those products by name they are no longer doing that so that company is now fighting uh to regain the you know respect that they had at the beginning of uh, the adult use market and that's a very important aspect of cannabis that you know if someone has a poor experience with your brand or your product that's going to stick with them and they're not going to reach for it again. Um, and so I, I also have to ask, I know they, they launched out there. We did a review and they didn't do so well on the review, but what has the perception been around cookies in the state of Illinois? <laughs> yeah. I mean, cookies has done an amazing job of being a brand uh, and delivering a, you know, consistent like look and feel and is really appealing to actually a pretty large demographic of people. You know, I think it's, it's really capitalized on kind of the street fashion and street culture that has been co-opted by so many types of media and different places, but they come from a pretty amazing origin story, which I think you know about. So they're, trying to bring that uh, you know brand and ethos to a lot of states and i think they just have some time. <laughs> it's going to take some time um, it's not easy to just replicate that product to be exactly the same quality as everyone is used to in other states right and there's definitely cannabis connoisseurs out there who have tried cookies in very many places and they are weighing in on what cookies is like in illinois and it ha i don't think it's met those standards yet 
I'm sure it won't take long. Um, they're very capable and I'm sure they'll figure out how to really dial it in. But yeah, cookies is still, you know, uh, still trying to find their way, I think, in Illinois. That that fits in with our review. My business partner's been to Illinois a few times now to review products and they didn't do so hot there, but it's, it's the same opinion. You know, we have, we're big fans of them as a brand and a lot of their products, but even across the state of California, their home, they have so many cultivation partners that the consistency is not always there. But when you're dealing with an agriculture product, it's very, especially something as finicky as cannabis, you know, being consistent is, is difficult at scale for sure. Yeah, it's because it's not federally legal. You know what I mean? Like how, you know, there's, it's so much harder to figure out how to bring that other brand to another state when you can't cross state lines with your own product. And there's just so many restrictions around clones and seeds and, you know, technology and just how you train a, uh, you know, another company to white label your product for you you know, especially when there's not that many cultivators in the state of Illinois. So they ha didn't have many partners to choose from, you know, so that's also an effect. So as the cannabis industry as a whole grows throughout the nation, things like cookies will, the quality will get better everywhere. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and with that, you know, with there being a limited amount of cultivation licenses out there, um, and the market's still in its early stages. Have you guys started to see the price decline or the price wars start, which is you know much more prevalent in more mature markets? Has that began out there yet? Not quite yet. I mean, so we are in the process of awarding licenses here in Illinois. So 185 licenses, well, actually have been awarded. The problem is, is that that now is hung up in the courts. So there's a big uh, lawsuit going on. Uh, that is kind of dragging out that uh, that timeline and really delaying it. So COVID delayed it initially, and then now that we've passed, you know, the next hurdle of actually awarding the licenses, uh, those have been delayed again. So we're not going to see those 185 new licenses open new dispensaries for a bit of time. Craft Grow, uh, those have been awarded licenses, and I do believe that those are in the works. So you know, that is affecting what is going on with the current state of the dispensaries. The prices have not really changed that much. Um, they're not going to change, I don't think, a lot until those other shops are able to open and until those craft grows have figured out how to actually be a craft grow and survive, right? Because they're heavily restricted in the size uh, and quantity of product that they can make, but also they have to meet certain requirements of how many people they're employing and that's just a hard business plan to figure out so it's not going to be until all those kinks are figured out that there's going to be i think significant changes in the pricing of products absolutely and it's you know it's, it's, it's simple economic supply and demand until the supply is there you know to outweigh the demand a little bit that's when you really see the price start to drop so speaking of these craft grow licenses and you don't need to be I didn't ask you to prepare for this. You don't need to know the exact specifics, but what are the kind of the size requirements for a craft grow? And then opposed to that, what are the general sizes of cultivation facilities that are don't fall in that category? Unfortunately, I'm not the best person to answer that question. Okay. I can't remember the the square footage uh, allotted to the the you know the current cultivators versus the craft. 
Um, sorry about that. But, you know, I would say it's their craft grows are much, much smaller than the, the current grows can be. You know what I mean? And the emphasis is once again is on craft. So they want to make it so that these people are building niche, building, um, you know, things that are, are, are more unusual and can serve different populations. And also at the same time, they want to make it so it is available to those that don't have to raise insane amounts of capital, right? So they're trying to keep them in a specific size so that it's manageable for someone who doesn't have the financial backing of a lot of MSOs or the financial, you know, you know, investors and the, the venture capitalists and things like that. So that's where I think if we can get that, that, you know, proper, you know, formulation of what the craft grow is going to be to be successful, then I think we're going to have a really exciting time in Illinois with a lot of, you know, a lot of choice, you know, and a lot of new brands, you know, and uh, things like that. So, so that I think is very exciting for Illinois. Oh yeah, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. The the more you get back to it, the consumer wins with more selection. Um, and taking a step back a little bit, you know, on the on the consumer front, what do you feel draws in that market draws a consumer to a specific product over another? Do you feel like packaging and branding or marketing presence it really drives it, or it's more rooted in the experience, the bud tender recommendation? What what do you think is kind of driving consumer interest in particular brands? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very much the com community that is being built at the dispensary. Um, so, you know, we have our newsletter, our text list, our, our social media channels. We do our best to do some banner ads and branding and partnerships, right? But it's still, you know, it's difficult to reach that consumer. So where they're really getting that entree into all of the variety is at the dispensary. So then that boils down to your staff, how well versed they are in the product possibilities available at their dispensaries. And then their ability to communicate that to knowledgeably to a customer who's looking to solve a problem. So yeah, I think it's still very much, you know, word of mouth through the bud tender is how, you know, brands are getting to the customers. So, which is, I mean, it's kind of cool that way, you know, it's, it's, it, it feels like the roots of cannabis culture anyway. You know what I mean? It's not people just being inundated with the thing that they should be having, you know, Ruffles versus Lay's versus McDonald's versus Burger King, you know, it's meeting this really cool person who has a specific knowledge about this thing and they're hanging out with you talking to you about it and you're then kind of you know becoming part of a relationship and i think that's really a neat thing about the cannabis industry um it is starting to transition to people just kind of finding out about cookies finding out about dog walkers and and things like that so in effect uh, there is a change coming about but it's coming from that root and i think don't think that root will ever go away that, yeah, that is that makes complete sense. Um, and then another question I had on, on that same relationship between consumer buying at the dispensary is how much does THC percentage matter to the consumer in the Illinois market? Because that seems to be the ultimate driver in California for better or for worse. You can't convince a consumer not to buy off THC percentage. I had a, a friend who worked at a dispensary with me in Massachusetts who said, you know, when I go to a liquor store, I don't 
go run immediately to find the highest proof alcohol there is. What is going on with that, with cannabis, right? So, I mean, I would imagine that one of the reasons, two, two big reasons in my opinion is the price. So it's very expensive um, compared to a lot of other states and compared to what you can find in the legacy market on the street, right? So if you're wanting to you know, purchase a certain amount, a lot of times it feels like you're getting more bang for your buck if you're getting a higher percentage of THC, right? I think, you know, hey, if, if you know, a joint was a dollar, you know what I mean? You're not going to care as much whether it's, you know, 30% or it's 15%. It's not going to make that big of a difference to you, you know, I think. You know, but I think because of the, you know, the, the, the cost has a big, you know, place on that. And then the second one is just lack, lack of education, really. You know, people not understanding that there's a lot more going on with the plant besides THCA. You know, there's all the other cannabinoids. All, there's all the terpenes. And I don't pin that fault on the consumer. I pin that fault on, you know, the reefer madness. So the fact that there's no, such a lack of research lack of resources that are actually there to educate people to you know to show them the, the various benefits that they can actually be getting from the plant people just think that the high testing thing is the only thing that's going to work for them because they don't even know about those other things so i think that yeah that has a place but strangely enough there is a segment of the market that's looking for low uh test flour as well. And I would, I would call them probably more in the boomer generation, you know, folks who were used to that skunky Mexican weed, <laughs> like 7%, you know, they're coming and finding menus where there's like sometimes nothing less than 20%. And they're like, I can barely handle this stuff. Where's your 12%, you know, and I'm not saying it's a huge segment of the audience, but there is a, a, you know, somewhat of an audience for that. So, so that I think is also an interesting that is, I've noticed that, but that's a great point. You know, it's it's usually pinned on the lack of education um, around the plant, but I like your, your thought process on the cost and people weighing the bang for buck because cost is obviously the biggest driver behind consumer purchasing and cannabis. And I haven't heard anyone put it that you way. You know, people develop a tolerance as well. Uh, you know, any cannabis user knows that the, you build up a tolerance over time. So once again, if it is so expensive and your tolerance is being built up and you're using this medicinally, which I feel like the majority of people are medical or adult use, then, you know, you have to look for that 30% strain that's priced at the same price as the 22% strain, because you feel like that's going to be, you know, the, the giving you the thing you need because of the, uh, you know, your tolerance that you built up over time. I think that also plays into it. And also, you know, on the, on the talk of strains, you know, California obviously sets the tone for just the entire culture of cannabis on, on breeding and a lot of the hype strains. And I see on the West Coast it infiltrates. Once it's popular in California, it takes, you know, three to six months to infiltrate to Oregon and Washington. But every geographic location has 
strains that are specific to it where you go to one state and you're like i've never heard of this strain before and people are like oh we can't keep this on the shelves what are some of the strains in illinois whether it's a popular mainstream one or something unique to that market what are some of those strains that stand out with with consumers in the market i mean i never heard of mag mile until i came to illinois and that is a hugely popular strain um i'm I can't think of any others off the top of my head right now. I think that, you know, the thing about Illinois is that it's fledgling, right? It hasn't been around that long, but there are all these MSOs that are here that have been doing, uh, you know, this kind of work in a lot of other states. So they brought their experience from California, West Coast, Colorado, wherever they are to Illinois. So we actually do have a lot of strains that you're going to find in a lot of places, but then you also have your more local growers who are, you know, coming up with their own things. And in fact, you know, we're, I, I can't talk too much about it, but we're starting the beginning steps of a partnership with a kind of a local hero in actual, you know, pheno hunting and strain making and clone making towards, you know, getting some kind of like preview or before anyone else uh, strain, strains at our cultivation. So that's going to be, uh, if that all works out, that's going to be really interesting because those are going to be things that you're not going to be finding uh, on menus all over the nation. And you're only going to be finding within Illinois and hopefully only finding at our cultivation first before it goes out to everybody else. So, so yeah, I think the legacy market of people who are have been doing it in their basements uh, is very strong in Illinois. There's a lot of folks that I really hope will be able to transition into the legal market because they belong there. They have so much knowledge and there's going to be so much diversity of strains, products, effects, everything. If we, Illinois can get them in there. Right. And that, that to me is one of the biggest hopes. Yeah. I, I have never heard of Mag Mile either, and I have smoked cannabis in quite a bit of states. So <laughs> that that's got to be unique to that market. Um, yeah. And that's and you know that's a great thing that you guys are doing. You know, I think from a cultivation standpoint, uh, you know, unique and branded breeding to a specific cultivator is really how you carve out a a, a following and name, right? When you have something that's yours, um, what are some of the ways that you see? Um, and it doesn't have to be specific to Illinois, but what do you, what are some of the ways that you see brands building trust with consumers? Absolutely. I mean, I think that goes back to what we were talking about before with, um, with revolution, right? Because there are going to be so many more dispensaries in Illinois. There's going to be so many more places that people can go. So the convenience for a lot of folks might start to outweigh just buying it from Joe Schmo down the street. But in order to supply those people and those stores, cultivation needs to come up. We need to grow more. But if we don't have a ton of new large licenses or craft growers doing that, then the concern is that the current cultivation will go too fast. And then they will blow out their quality. And then they're going to turn away consumers. So that's what we've learned. Um, the cultivators are going to have to somehow figure out how to scale, but scale sustainably. That's how they're going to build trust with the local consumer and have them actually be asking for that brand name and not for the strain name, but by any cultivator, right? I want to get Bear Dance made by Revolution. I don't want to get it by made by blah or blah or blah. 
You know what I mean? So that's how it's going to be. It's got to be the consistency and the quality of that product. It's not going to be right now in the flash uh, of the packaging or, you know, how many um, celebrity endorsers you can get. In my opinion, it's just going to be the quality of that product and how many people are hating or not hating on it on the internet. You know what I mean? Because everyone is still on the internet and they're still able to access all those Google reviews. They can dive into Reddit if they want and they can get some of that information and they can find out, oh, oh I'm going to avoid that. All these people are talking so much trash about this. So so it's got to be that got to be based on quality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's it's funny you mentioned that, you know, again, California is is very heavy on the celebrity influence, but it's a double edged sword because it can bring a lot of attention to a product. But then if people don't have a good experience with that product, it brings a lot of attention very negatively to that product at a mass level or negatively um, back to that celebrity. Right. Yeah, that, <laughs> that as well. Um, yeah. So another way that well, I can outline a, quickly uh, a way that we're trying to kind of build confidence and our brand name with our customers is by doing things that are more than just um, selling cannabis. So one of the things that we did recently through our cultivation was we made a breast cancer awareness specific product. So we got pink Blazy Susan cones and we wrapped pre-rolls. And then we also made a specific double diamonds, THC infused um, diamond product called Blazy Diamonds. Um, and we were selling those throughout the month of October. And we were donating a dollar for every every pre-roll that we sold. And we also uh, sold a pin that we were donating revenue from as well. And we identified an organization that's in Illinois. It's called Gilda's Club, named after Gilda Radner, uh, you know, famous comedian who was also, um, you know, lost her life to cancer. Uh, so there's this amazing organization. So we said to our community, hey, we're going to make this product. We want you to come buy it and we're going to donate this out to uh, this organization, right? And that made the people who were making that product feel very inspired about the goal that we were doing even more good than we're usually doing. It really brought a cohesive, like warm feeling to our company, to our staff. And then that, I think having that kind of genuine, you know, positive emotion then radiates out towards the customers, right? So the people that we were seeing, they see that we're taking the time to make this product, to donate it out, to talk about it, to try to, you know, educate people about breast cancer awareness, you know, and how cannabis plays into that. I think that really is a, a, a key thing that brands can be doing to get people to align with their brand and to keep coming back to their brand. And I think people really know more about New Era because of that fundraiser that we did. Yeah, give it giving back to the community is, is an excellent thing to do. And there's obviously some, you know, some marketing benefits from that uh, in terms of increased reach and, and activating people behind something, you know, taking a consumer good and making it more than a consumer good, you know, attaching a mission to it that, that people can associate with and feel great about. Um, what are some of the things that, you know, some of the ways that, you know, COVID over the last year and a half have affected your business? I know you mentioned it's severely kind of, slowed down the supply of cannabis in the supply chain, but what are some other ways that it's uh, affected your guys' business? Well, I think if you talk to anyone in the U.S. cannabis industry, you're going to find that it was a boom. 
So a lot of people were really struggling with their mental health. And it turns out that cannabis really can help a lot of people with their mental health. So we had a lot of people coming in looking for help with anxiety, looking for help with sleep. A lot of people that weren't traditionally looking for cannabis for this started coming to this because of COVID. So that was an amazing thing. So we were busier than ever, right? All the I'm sure, nationwide, you know, cannabis industry was busier than ever. In Illinois specifically, um, one thing that they made available, the, the legislators did, was curbside pickup. So all of the medical patients were able to access curbside pickup, which I think is an incredible opportunity for people who are, you know, themselves fighting cancer, immunocompromised, like all sorts of things like that, that made it possible for us to be like, hey, cannabis, yes, we're going to bring it outside and hand it to someone in their car. You know why? Because we're an essential service. And that's another thing I forgot to mention right there. As soon as lockdown happened, the cannabis stores were basically told you can't close. You are an essential service and you have to stay open. So COVID brought about a very high level of normalization to the cannabis industry, to the plant. People started to see it with a completely different light because literally it was essential. The nail salon is closed. The dispensary is open, right? So that's a positive effect uh, of, of COVID. Um, and then for, the, for me, the last one was uh, it really sped up e-commerce, right? So we were not able to just bring in people to linger and walk around and stay in our dispensaries. Everyone had to figure out how to get their stuff online in a way that looked presentable, was easy to order and get in there and get out of there fast. And we did that really quickly, you know, like immediately, as soon as lockdown happened, anything that, anything that we needed to tighten up on our e-commerce and pickup experience got tightened up. And our we are so efficient now in, in the ability to, to have a good experience for someone shopping online, to then come in, have their order ready to go. And if they want to just pay and leave, they're out of there. If they want to uh, hang out and talk and add more products on, then they're very welcome to do that as well. So it's just made it much an easier flow and a better shopping experience for a lot of people because, you know, they're used to Amazon on their phone but not necessarily a good experience with cannabis on their phone. And COVID really changed that as well. And with, with that push to e-com, you know, puts more people obviously searching for cannabis on the internet. Um, and I heard you mention Reddit earlier. What are some of the popular resources you notice unique to that market? Um, because, you know, Reddit is not as popular on the West Coast as it is like in, say, Florida or some of these East Coast markets, you know, depending on where you're at, it's Leafly or Weed Maps or whatever. What, what are some of those resources that you notice where people really seek information on products or consu other consumer reviews? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, you know, there's still that type of person that goes to Leafly and Weed Maps for Illinois, um, but there's definitely Illinois trees. You know, that's a, a, a very serious, deep, group of people who are going way into the weeds on what's going on with uh, products and brands in, in Illinois. So you can have a lot of fun checking things out on, on Illinois trees. A lot of it is positive. A lot of it is negative. That's red for you. Um, you've also got some pretty interesting organizations out there. You've got um, Illinois, New, Illinois News Joint uh, is a gentleman who does a pretty cool 
you know, podcast and newsletter, trying to share experiences about home grow, about wheat, you know, brands, dispensaries, things like that. You've got the Chillinoise podcast, uh, which is a great podcast. I've been on there a couple of times. They share a lot of resources actually through Reddit. Um, he's one of the real shining lights and positive aspects of of the, of the Illinois trees scene. Um, you know, you've got the cannabis community, which are based here in Illinois. They used to be called the medical cannabis community. Now they're called the cannabis community because they've expanded into lots of other states. Uh, they have a website uh, and a newsletter, and they're sharing a lot of resources and tips and tricks and, you know, uh, things for uh, people here in Illinois. Um, and, you know, for ourselves, we actually have a podcast as well. Uh, it's called Full Spectrum, and it's run by our staff totally staffed, made, generated, like they came uh, to the company and pitched the idea. They said, we want to, we're having conversations every day with people, you know, and uh, we feel like a lot more people would love to hear about this. Uh, why don't we record it and put it up on the internet? So they've started to do that as well. So they're sharing out uh, that information, uh, you know, about their experiences uh, to the world through uh, SoundCloud and now Spotify. Um, another great organization is Illinois Women in Cannabis. Uh, they have amazing, uh, an amazing organization that does webinars all the time about different um, things having to do with the cannabis industry, how to get a job in the cannabis industry. They did a breast cancer awareness, um, you know, webinar, uh, you know, in partnership with us to, you know, give people access to more uh, resources and, and ideas about what they can do uh, just in terms of breast cancer in general or the intersection between breast cancer and cannabis. So there's just a lot of self-starters and smaller kind of, um, you know, groups of people who are trying to fill in the gaps of knowledge in Illinois. And I applaud them for that. Awesome. We need more of that. The consumer education helps really push this industry forward and I think ultimately helps everyone. Um, what are some of your guys's plans for you know we're, we're nearing the end of 2021 what, what are some of the these last q4 plans and kind of what do you guys have on the docket for 2022 yeah i mean a lot of it for us is cultivation right now so we once again there's going to be a lot of these um dispensaries opening this year we are once again one of the you know latest entries into the cultivation market in illinois so we want to make sure that we're set up to fill that demand. And once again, getting back to the quality, to fill it in a way that's gonna be a quality product and not something that's sped to market. So a lot of our work is gonna be doing that. We're gonna be coming out with a new line of extracts. We're gonna be doing uh, some vape uh, cartridges. We're gonna be trying to expand into some edibles. So New Era is very much wanting to, to bring, um, you know, another uh, you know, quality experience to the cannabis consumer here in, here in Illinois, because it's just, the demand's just going to keep growing and we just need more quality products. So that's what New Era wants to bring. I love that. Thank you very much for sharing that. And thank you very much for joining us today. Is there anything else you want to plug and where can people find you guys on the internet? Absolutely. Great question. Uh, so we are neweracannabis.com. It is N-U-E-R-A. Uh, so that is our website. We're on Instagram at New Era Cannabis, um, and also Facebook New Era Can. Um, and you know, I'm trying to think of anything else I'd really like to put in there. Um, just really happy to be part of you know this once again wild Midwest. I mean, who knows when it's going to be federally legal, or you know, but it, it could be sooner than later. 
and you know, Camel, Budweiser, all of big pharma is looking to jump all over that. And what is happening right now in between the intersection between the legacy market and the burgeoning entrepreneurial market in cannabis is, is really exciting, uh, you know, time that is not going to last that long. And I think if you people should really start to pay attention to what's going on because it's a really exciting time. The, the innovation, the different, you know, a lot of these brands that are coming up right now are going to be gone. You know, there's going to be an extinction over time uh, before the real, you know, kind of craft thing kind of comes back. So I think it's just, I, I just want to let people, you know, you should join the party because it's really fun right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. The opportunities are quite literally endless right yeah. now. Um, and the point of entry is, is very easy. You know, it's, it's, it's something for, there's something for everyone. So Jonah, I thank you very much for joining us on the North American weed tour podcast. I believe this is episode 45. Um, again, I'm Mitch from respect my region. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much. My pleasure.